This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. It's Thursday. It's time to worship God. You know what? If we can't be together, literally together, we can be unified in God's Word. So if you have God's Word, let's look to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. With the help of the Lord, I would like to preach on the thought of a message, essential businesses, essential businesses. Father, have your way in this service. We pray that you would direct our hearts into the love of God and by your word, accomplish your will in Christ's precious name. During the COVID-19 pandemic, certain businesses were ordered closed and maybe, unfortunately, you were one of them. Others, they were allowed to operate at some level because they were deemed essential. They were essential businesses. There was a guy that says, I got a letter that I am an essential employee. And then he said, two weeks later, I got a paycheck that says, I am not. But you see, Jesus was also there doing some work for his father when he disappeared as a 12-year-old from his parents for three days. When they found him, he said, didn't you know or wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? He said, I am involved in essential businesses. It's interesting. I heard a podcast some time ago and someone posed a question to a pastor. He said, what are the top three things for a pastor to do? I don't remember the pastor's response, okay? Uh, But I began to think, as a pastor, what are the most important things for a pastor to do? And I thought of this verse of Scripture. Jesus did three things here. He taught, he preached, and he healed. And I thought, well, that seems like the top three things for me as a pastor to do. So I would like to look at three essential businesses. Three essential businesses. And I want to challenge you to be involved in some way, manner, shape, form, or fashion in these three essential businesses of God. And I consider them also three top things for a pastor to do as well. Uh, There was a man named George Mueller who was a pastor. He was a preacher. He uh, founded some orphanages. And he, he famously said the first chief business of every day was first of all to be truly at rest and happy in God. You know what? That's a good start to business. Uh, the chief business of the day is to get our hearts happy in God. And this is maybe an aside, but until you do that, you're kind of chasing that, right? You're chasing that, that, that right attitude and that right spirit. So make that the first chief business of the day. Listen to some gospel music. I read my Bible. I listen to gospel music. I pray. I begin to think about God. I listen to things about God in the early morning to get myself ready 
for business. And the three essential businesses, once our heart is kind of brimming with God, once we're overflowing, once our cup runs over, then we get to business. The first business that it speaks of Jesus doing as he traveled around was teaching. Teaching. And the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So add everything that's added to faith in Jesus Christ or trust in Jesus Christ. And that virtue is that excellence. God touches every part of your life. If, you, if you'll notice this, when you read the Bible, it goes through you. It touches not just what you do at work. Say, well, preacher, but that's work. Well, it touches home. It touches your weekends. It touches where you go. It touches what you eat and drink. And I don't mean that you can eat pork, but it talks about what you put in your body. If it's wrong for you to put in your body, like drugs. It talks about uh, the things that you say. The Bible talks about every part of your life. It said add virtue. Then it says to add knowledge. What is this knowledge? Is it knowledge about the universe? No, it's knowledge about God's word. Find some teaching on God's word. Get hooked up with a local church and help them and and let Jesus help you through his word. Find his will for your life. See, Jesus was the most amazing communicator. A man named John, John Maxwell said it this way, educators... Take the simple and make it complex. Communicators take the complex and make it simple. Jesus was the greatest teacher to walk the face of this earth. He would often teach in parables. Now, if you get that Greek word parable, it comes from para and balo. And para means like alongside. And balo means to throw. Yeah, like a ball. So it literally, a parable is something that you throw alongside. And as I was explaining this to someone some years ago, parables are like a story that you could throw alongside your life. And you could look at it as a comparison. You could judge your life in relation to the parable. It was very effective in teaching. Whether it was the the types of soil the types of ground that the gospel was planted in, or whether it was the servants. There are many parables that Jesus used because teaching is an essential business. Teaching is how we grow. Teaching is how we learn. In fact, uh, kids spend a majority of their time, right? During the year in school. My daughter is six and we were doing math work. Yes, during summer vacation, we were doing math work on an iPad, but it's through, I guess, the, the county or something like that. And so uh, she, was, she and I were doing equations. And she clicked a button, and you can press on buttons and get definitions of different things. So she got the definition of an equation. Now, I've been to school for some years. I never knew what an equation was. I mean, I've done them. I've probably done hundreds, nay, thousands of equations. But I didn't know the definition. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But in mathematics, an equation is simply a statement that two expressions are equal. It's like 8 plus 3 equals 11. You know, 
4 minus 1 equals 3. So on that equal sign, both the left and the right side, it means the same thing. It's an equation. Now you say, well, preacher, everybody knows that. No, but I'm 46 and I just found out like two days ago. But you see, we all have things that we can learn. And I knew the answer to the equation. I just didn't know what an equation was. It says that Jesus, and I, I said that to share this, that in the Bible there's a lot of equations because a lot of math problems, you can actually read them, right? So if you say 2 and 2 is 4, you can translate that into math by uh, writing down the number 2, the plus sign, the number 2, the equal sign, and then 4. But you can read math equations. They're word problems. So... In John chapter 14 and verse 6, it said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, interestingly enough, he said, I am the way. That's like an equation. He said, uh, you could uh, put it another way, Christ is or equals the way. Christ is or equals the truth. It's an equation. And Christ equals the life. If you're looking for life, let me tell you, that perfect man or perfect woman is not going to be the life. That perfect bottle of booze is not life. They say, well, it's bud life. It's not. It says that Jesus is the life. That if you're looking for joy, unspeakable and full of glory, it's found in the presence of God. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. The presence of God equals the fullness of joy. It's an equation. An equation is an expression of equality. You know that uh, the Bible says that now faith is or equals the substance, the foundation of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, it tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that to get to God. How do I get to God? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead. You don't have to confess your sins. You confess Christ. Yes, you should get rid of your sin and repent of your sin. But if you believe in your heart, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. You know, that, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. It's an essential business. Jesus went about teaching, but also Jesus went about doing what I'm doing, preaching. I remember a lady that called us, and she's an awesome, awesome lady, years ago. And she and her family moved, but when she called me up before she came to church, she, she asked me, she said, are you a screamer? I just want to know. And what she was saying, I guess there was another preacher that he, he, he was very loud. <laughs> well, I said, I lift up my voice, and that's what it means to preach, to herald or to, to lift up your voice. Because the Bible said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And so, well, why do preachers talk so loud? Because isn't it interesting, I say that one reason... If someone's trying to cross the street and they're about to get hit by a car, you would lift your voice up uh, with the imminent danger that was there. Preachers preach because it is an important subject. We're dealing with eternity, men and women's souls. So it's an important thing. And when something's important, we lift up our voice to declare it. Also, you also lift up your voice if you want to be heard over other things. You know, have you ever had, you're in church and you know you're going over your grocery list or you're 
thinking about what you have to do. Or maybe right now you're like, well, yeah, I've got to, I don't know if I can pay my heat bill. Why the preacher, when, when the voice is louder, you're competing with all the other voices in people's head. You're competing with the voice that says, I can't be saved or, or God doesn't love me. Let me tell you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, that's you, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible said, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, preaching, the Bible says that God's foolishness is wiser than men's wisdom. But the preaching of, the preaching of Jesus Christ, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. When I, when I went to a church service so many years ago, I thought I was a Christian, but the preaching of God's word, it really got to where I was living and I realized I was a sinner. I realized uh, that I needed Christ and I'm thankful. I don't remember one word the preacher said, but I went, when he came to pray with me, I lied to him and eventually we got kind of through and, and I invited Christ into my heart. I, I recognized that I needed Jesus. You see, when Jesus came and died on the cross and shed his blood, it wasn't because we needed a little help, but it because we were, we were lost. It's because if one died for all, then we're all dead. He died to bring us back to God. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. He became sin for us. He became the un unrighteous or, or uh, afflicted of God and smitten that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, what Jesus did for me. If my lifting up my voice offends you, I'm not trying to shout at anybody. I'm lifting up the cross and lifting up the love of Jesus Christ and lifting up the power of God so that he may draw all men unto him. My daughter still thinks I, I'm mad at her sometimes when I lift my voice up. It's just what <laughs> preachers do. We're actually very nice people to be around. We joke and we love people and Christ has purified our hearts by faith, but we are loud. Why? Because preaching is what Jesus did. When Jesus was uh, not just teaching in the villages and the synagogues, but it said he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And another essential business, teaching is an essential business. Teach your kids about God. Preaching is an essential business. Go to a church where they preach the Bible. And healing. Healing is an essential business. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 that it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. There's another essential business. That there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which are come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. But notice, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You see that what God says, the power of God's word can manifest itself. God backs up his word with power that we can see or manifest in lives. God still heals. You've heard that said, but God still heals. It's true. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 that these men had brought a man who was paralyzed. It says taken with a palsy. 
and they set him before Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And people began to find fault, as men do with Jesus. And, and they said, Who can forgive sins but God alone? But, well, actually, they were right, because Jesus Christ is God. But Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he said, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? He said, I was doing the harder part, right? But he said, but ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. Notice that Jesus had a message in the miracle. The healing was to direct people back to notice, he said, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power, where? On earth to forgive sins. The message of the healing was to come back to the power of Jesus' sin-forgiving nature. The message of the miracle, and it's the work of the church. If anything is done in the church, it should give glory to God. And really, it says in Mark chapter 16, it's one of the signs of them that believe they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can pray for your children before the church uh, service starts. You can pray for your wife or your husband. I pray for my daughter. I pray for my wife. My daughter prays for me. We're a praying family. We believe in that stuff. When I felt like I was going to get poison ivy, I'll put my hand over, I'm allergic to poison ivy, put my hand over my arm and pray for it. So preacher, you don't know if it was poison ivy? I don't care what it was. I don't want it. I want healing. You know that I'm thankful that healing is still God's essential business. God still heals. It's an essential business. It won't stop. The government can't shut down teaching. Oh, they can. But it's an essential business before God. Keep teaching God's word. Keep preaching God's word. And keep healing with the power of Jesus Christ. It's still real. God still heals. God can still heal you. I like to close with this. It says that uh, some folks had invited Jesus over to their house. One was named Mary. And one was named Martha. And it said Martha was cumbered about much with much serving. And Mary, her sister... The Bible said, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Martha comes along and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. She's like, I'm working hard. And Jesus had something to say about essential businesses. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Notice what Jesus said. It's essential. And Mary hath chosen that good part. She chose what? To sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. And it said, which shall not be taken away from her. See, Jesus recognizes essential businesses. Yes, serving is important. And other things are important. But these three things are essential. Teaching God's word. Preaching God's word and that power manifested in the in God's word the healing 
that can result from the power of a risen Savior. By his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Essential businesses. God bless you is our prayer.